kind of bonked out from no sleeping. And he went, we went down this trail and I remember him saying, Ryan, we must be very careful. This is very dangerous. And I was like, all right. He's like, yeah. It's a, so we must be careful. And I was like, all right. So we're going down feature by feature with this big crew. And it was this carnage with Cami, Nagara, and uh, Chelsea, and Nate Davidson, and, and a couple of other folks. And there was like carnage. Cami blew up a wheel, had to hike down the whole thing. And another guy we were with crashed off this cliff. And we couldn't find his bike for 30 minutes. And last feature, I just kind of misjudged. I was out of it and my suspension, and I knew better. I knew I should have walked, right? I, sh I, I was like, hey, don't prove anything. You, you feel like crap when your bike mm. is not set up for this. And yeah, I, I kind of aired out off of this little ledge where you're supposed to stop into and then kind of go back down. And I basically aired this whole section, bottomed out super hard and just railed into this tree and ripped my, blew up my knee. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Awesome MTB Podcast. This is episode number five, five or six, I believe. And we're really excited because today we've had a lot of really awesome guests. And I don't want to say any guest has been our favorite, but this is a really good friend of ours. His name is Ryan Rodriguez. If I was to describe who he is, I would use the word influencer. I would use the word free rider. I would use the word incredible human being, a really special person all around. And we're gonna get into a ton of things about him, his background, his long hair. Uh, and yeah, just a bunch of stuff that makes Ryan, Ryan, really excited to introduce this human to you guys. And if you already know Ryan, really excited to give you a little bit more of an inside look into who he is as a person. Without further ado, how you doing, Ryan? Doing great. Thanks for the awesome intro. Nice. And you and Hannah are just as cool to me. Seriously, all the help you've given me the last couple of years. Awesome. You're incredible. Mm -hmm. Well, so uh, starting right off the back for that intro, um, if you were to give an intro to yourself, who is Ryan Rodriguez? Rodriguez. Ooh, on the spot, huh? Well. And are you Hispanic? Because yes. I've always thought that with the Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. I had a Hispanic part of my family. You are. Yeah, and uh, another, the, my mom's side was uh, French and English. And I didn't really grow up with the Hispanic side of my family since I was a little kid. It was, a, it was chaos. Yeah very wild like stories people wouldn't really believe i think just with a yeah wild upbringing so that whole part of the family kind of a dispersed and i yeah never really kept in touch with them never learned spanish as a oh wow as a, as a kid yeah and uh i would say my mom's side of the family a little more stable a little more traditional nice and yeah well, let, let's take a step back. So let's go back to who is Ryan. So how would you describe who you are? Hmm. That's a good one. Got to ponder that for just a second. Don't ponder it for too long because uh, we only have so much memory right. on our I would <laughs> say. <laughs> I would say, well, departing from the bike addiction, just a guy who kind of has a addiction for figuring things out behind the scenes, kind of what is, what is the truth? around topics, global topics, food topics. And uh, I just really wanna be genuine with people. And I love to try to live in the moment, be grateful for this crazy life that I'm living. And hopefully now these days, inspire other people. I'm realizing that that can be a thing, which is really cool. It's such a crazy thing. 
Nice. And so uh, for those of you who may not know uh, a little bit more of the riding side of Ryan, you currently ride for propane cycles. You're currently on the, I would say, influencer slash athlete, like that blend program. Um, Just tell me a little bit about what you do right now currently. Well, I'm just coming back from a pretty bad knee injury. Johan Burley took me on some wild trail and he said, Ryan, this, we must be careful because this can be very dangerous. And yeah, the last feature got me pretty good. So what I do currently, gosh, I think uh, as far as bikes, constantly travel, always traveling somewhere. It's just been crazy these last few months, even with uh, coming back from the knee surgery and try to get some cool video clips. Um, ride with a bunch of different people nice. and kind of show off how fun the bikes are awesome. <laughs> because I love them. They're super sick. And right. to have a bike sponsor is really crazy. I, I never, ever thought I would have a bike sponsor at this level. And so it's been, a, yeah, it's been a fun journey. And I have talked with uh, the media uh, marketing at Propane and I was like, well, what are y'all looking for? And they're like, just do your thing. Just travel around, meet people throw a couple of cool Instagram clips in there. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> such a trip. Well, we're going to talk more about bikes in a little bit, but uh, so you, your birthday's in six days. You're turning 39. 39. 39. Whew. 39 years of living for Ryan. Uh, take us back. Uh, I want to take us to our ch- your childhood. Um, so where did you grow up? I grew up mostly in a little town between San Francisco and Sacramento called Vacaville. And it, yeah, it was a cool little town. Uh, I would uh, go between my mom's dad's house and then I would, I would BMX a lot when I was a little kid. And then we graduated high school and moved to Texas for a few years, then came back to California nice. as a young, young adult. Mm-hmm. And uh, back then, were you riding bikes? I wasn't riding or mountain what, bikes. What was your, uh, your hobby of choice? Back growing up, uh, yeah, dirt bikes with my family. We would do the, these uh, like two week long trips to the Mojave Desert. And then... Yeah, rode BMX. I was just, I was kind of a little turd riding BMX all the time with my friends, through the streets, causing trouble. <laughs> we were kind of rowdy. Nice. Grew out of that. <laughs> right. And uh, you, was it a stable home environment? Uh, did you have your, was your mom and your dad together? How was that situation? No, they separated when I was five. <clears throat> but uh, it wasn't long after that. I remember riding a kid's Pee Wee 50, this tiny little dirt bike, and I had never ridden one before. And I was just something hooked inside me. I remember just pestering my mom, and my dad, and then, nice. like separately, like I want to get a dirt bike, and pestering yeah. my dad for a bike. And were they on board with it? Um, yes, uh, the, my mom, yes, and then my dad, not so much. He he was always focusing on real estate deals and. And uh, like trying to cap- like create these businesses. Nice. So I definitely was, my mom was on my side and that's kind of where I was able to plant the seed of addiction. <laughs> right. And I, I've met your mom before. She is an amazing lady. One that's of the right. coolest moms I've ever met. Yeah, in Thailand. Yeah, in Thailand. Uh, how would you describe your mom? How would you describe your dad? And how different are they? Oh, my dad. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, I love him to death. I was just with him in Texas. But growing up, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, it was super, un- it was super uh, just, I can't even describe like how wild it was. I try to tell people sometimes. And he was a pilot. So scheduling for us as kids, like going to school, 
if he was sleeping in or whatever, like school didn't matter. Sometimes he'd be like, hey, we're going to go to fly to Hawaii. School doesn't matter. Oh, hey, we're going to take out the jet skis. School doesn't matter. And then my mom was way more like, oh, you got to go to school, get good grades. Uh, Yeah. I I think I missed the first part of your, my mom question. Describe your mom and then how, the the differences between My mom is a badass. When we were young, she became one of the first female firefighters in Oakland, California. Oh, wow. And yeah, she taught me how to ride my first dirt bike. She taught me the clutch and how to to shift. And yeah, just such, I'm so lucky. Yeah, she is amazing. Yeah, and she's going to come to Guatemala here in a few days with us awesome mm-hmm. well and we're, we're gonna get into more of the child in a little bit but you are definitely if i was to describe you i would say free spirit i mean you're definitely on the program where you show everyone love and you're mm-hmm. always moving around what side of the family do you think you get that from i think it's both there was the love uh the love and free spirit side from the mom and then there's the non-commitment floating around side from my dad nice. i would say awesome <laughs> And so kind of fast forward a little bit. When, uh, after high school, what happens? Where do you go? High school, I moved to Texas and I started college at Lone Star, Montgomery College. Yeehaw! Nice. Yeah, and I got into flight lessons. I, uh... You, you yeah, learned, was, how, learned how to fly a plane? Yeah, I learned how to fly and I was uh, working at a cool lakeside restaurant. My dad lived on this lake, so I was living with my dad. And didn't ride bikes at all. That, that, at that point, biking had totally exited my life. But uh, it was always in my mind, right? But yeah, I uh, started flying lessons, and then I really honed my skills playing drums right after high school. I became totally addicted to that. We did hours a day. My brother was a sh- just slaying on the guitar, and we kind of formed a little band, and we eventually started playing live nice. right there in Texas on the lake. My first show, I remember, it was pretty crazy. A lady so cool. pulled up her shirt and showed us the goods. Nice. Very, very first song. How, what did you think of the goods? Yeah, they were, they were, you know, everything is bigger in Texas. Yeah. It was definitely true in yeah. this case. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, uh, and we're going to get into the music side. You just brought up your brother. How Describe your brother. And are you guys still pretty close? Were you Absolutely. guys close growing up? Yes, he is a genius. He's probably 150 times smarter than me. Uh, with just electronics and computers and media cameras like oh it's just it's, un- it's unreal and learning things learning new things uh it's i've always been the more simple minded right he would do the the guitar and the electronics computer all the cables the software behind it and i was just like give me some drums and some sticks nice that's that's about all i can handle and a couple of sick beats why do you think you guys ended up being different in that way that is a good question yeah i don't know I, I can't really say. Maybe he was more inner thought, where I was kind of outer thought growing up. But I would have to think about it. Nice. Mm-hmm. And so you guys are in the band. What what happened to flight lessons? Did, did you ever fly a plane your, on your own? Yes. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, I was, I was doing solos, uh, night solos. I can't remember how many hours I had. And uh, no, but it actually got so crazy in Texas with my dad that one day I just threw my drums in my truck and I drove all the way back to California. And, and what do you mean? Abandoned. What do you mean by crazy? Just crazy. We're fighting and just like, yeah, fighting. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this, this sucks. Throw my drums in my truck. Just drove halfway back across the whole country. What, got a do job you, in California. Do you mind elaborating on what you guys were fighting about? Or, um, well, with the pops. Then, especially, he's definitely calmed down more. But uh, there's there's some part of his upbringing where he had no patience for anything. Uh, kind of like a 
that might be the number one thing literally no patience and like just vicious temper right yeah and i, and I was not I, I at a younger age i was like i can't i don't want to live and do that i had to, there's like a conscious snap that i think some people could do when they're having problems yeah. and uh i yeah i had to get just i just left and did your brother stay over there or where did your brother end up going <clears throat> then i think he was already back in california yeah so he moved back just before me and got a job and helped set me up with a job nice. at this really cool retreat in Mill Valley, California, Ralston L. White Retreat. And I just drove right there and started working and living there. Awesome. That was pretty cool. And did you guys continue to play music? Yes. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy story. We kept playing music. We would find anywhere we could to play music and make our own songs, kind of trying to pull different, different uh, musicians around that we would meet. I, I started going to the college in Marin and my brother met this bass player, Tim Baker, and this guy was a phenomenal, he was a phenomenal, he was like a true virtuo, just a master of the bass. Nice. Yeah, and I was so addicted to drumming at that time, I would be in class and I just couldn't take it anymore. I had to go to the studio that I had rented out and just start and like play for like eight hours. And this was flight school? No, this was just for, uh, oh, that, was that was just like a community yeah. college. Yeah, Marin Community College or whatever they call it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy story. We did this for a couple of a few years, and a lot thanks to my brother, he would get us uh, some cool gigs, like recording for maybe a song that might be on a movie, right? Awesome. Like maybe it would go on a movie, so we'd go lay down some tracks and get paid hourly to do everything. And a lot of it didn't go anywhere, but it was still cool, like this push that people have to do, like build this, their own foundation and and try to uh, get their music into these big projects. Nice. And and then some recordings for just like some old timers, like some nice like just like chill beats with some custom tunes and then we formed a our we really formed our own band and we made our own situation and yeah, uh played our own live shows and our the first live show we played as a progressive metal band was uh, just it was literally mind melting. The audience reaction it was is unbelievable Rad. Yeah. and do you have any crazy stories from your guys's band days i'm sure you, you uh, guys probably besides the woman lifting up their shirt and seeing the goods what? do you have any just how, how far can we go let, here? let's keep it let's keep it family right. friendly uh, but let's also um, just just the whole the whole thing of trying to organize four people and try to arrange their time so you can practice together and be creative together and then talking to venues to play music and working those deals out and then working with a like having booking agents talk to you and and like oh yes we played at the hell's angels headquarters in oakland no way and it was this booking guy he was like you guys would be perfect and we showed up and it was just the so out of place right but yeah. we set we we were supposed to play twice yeah and we played once and the guy was like well you now you have to play on the main stage in like four hours and we're like well, we can't really wait around that long He's like, well, I'm not going to pay you until you play on the main stage. But all these people need to hear your music. We're like, well, we don't know. This is our demographic. This yeah. is an interesting scene. We're playing like complicated progressive metal music, right? Yeah. And eventually, we're eating a durian out in the back of my truck. I might have told you this. We're eating a durian on the back of my pickup truck outside the back door. We scarfed it down. And uh, somebody came out the side door, one of the people from the venue. And she's like, oh, y'all smell gas? And we're like... 
we didn't say anything. And she came back, or she left, came back with another, like a Hell's Angels dude, and was like, yeah, there's a gas leak. And we're just like, <laughs> like giggling, right? It escalated to the point that they were looking around the whole building for a gas leak and called the fire department. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and we put the durian rind under the stage and left. Oh, and, crazy. Uh, so that was kind of a fun story. Yeah. Hell and, yeah. And then finishing shows and having people come up and grab me and saying, you just changed my life. And I like teary eyed and I'll be like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. Like that was, that was an amazing experience for me playing live music with a bunch of people freaking out. But, uh, having somebody do that is super just next level and you don't know how to respond, right? You don't know how to respond. And were you riding bikes at this time too? Not really. I would probably hop on my BMX bike and stop at the skate park, but it was so rare. Yeah. Yeah. And I would kind of be out of like, you know, rusty and so not really. It was just hustling music life. Where did, when did that end, that phase of your guys' lives end? And did your brother end up pursuing it longer than you or? Yes, in different ways. That was probably about 10 or 11 years ago. We, uh, we were playing this big party for a tequila company. And yeah, our other two band members didn't want to wait and they, they booked out. And I, we couldn't believe it. It was like this major, major show. And we were like, wow, like that was, that was pretty brutal. And oh, we man. just ended up playing the show because it's a bass player and a keyboardist with so like the complicated harmonies and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we played the show, just me and my brother, drums and guitar. And it was super sick. But that kind of, yeah, that, that's kind of where I think it fizzled out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, 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 but then 11 years ago already. Oh, wow. Years ago, yeah. But my brother kept going. He is now working, like right this second, he's working at, in Hawaii as like the media music i'm not sure his real title but like top manager for this huge uh, convention center nice yeah so he's stoked and he's gone he's made music for films uh he's written symphonies i played live at a symphony that he composed and wrote it live in front of a a, a a total like big opera house three nights in a row sold out nice. yeah i played with the orchestra on my no drum way. set it was awesome yeah, it's all music that he wrote with, it was like 46 choreographed dancers too. That's yeah, incredible. Like pretty sick stuff. That's and that, this is what I'm talking about. I'm like, that guy's a genius. Like, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty and cool. So when did bikes come into your life though? Well, they came back in, yeah, around that point, I definitely was able to get a mountain bike and I kind of just went full in. I found a little local spot by my house in Nevada, California, where we had our music set up. And I just started going every day. I think it was, yeah, the first bike was a Trek. And we, me and some guys out there, we built a drop and it broke like right away. <laughs> I snapped and I bought a downhill bike, a transition TR, some, uh, TR something. And I was just hooked. Started going to North Star all the time. Started nice. going to uh, kind of t- taking Whistler trips. I kind of started feeling out. I started learning about races. I would go to this little jump zone and people would go, hey, do you like Aaron Gwynn? I'm like, who's Aaron Gwynn? Like, oh, he's a World Cup racer. I'm like, what's a World Cup? Yeah. <laughs> I'm also just doing some jumps and then I started opening up to that world. But yeah. we're, we're skipping around. Mm. Is there, I mean, that's, especially for someone to first get into the sport and then all of a sudden be planning Whistler trips and figuring out what race oh, ser- yeah. series to go to. 
do you feel like there was someone that helped yes. guide you through Absolutely. This I got to give credit to my two younger cousins, Jake and Alex. They told me for years, Ryan, you've got to get a mountain bike. You would love it. You would be so good. You'll be, you'll be a pro. And I'm over here thinking kind of like cross country stuff. I'm thinking, I don't know. That sounds kind of lame, you know? So we were at a family event in Tahoe and they bought tickets to North Star. And I, I was like, all right, I'll go with you. But I only had my BMX bike with one brake that I had borrowed from this guy, Chris Duncan. He had ridden it in the X Games and uh, this S&M dirt bike, BMX bike. And I went to North Star all day. We're trying to ride these trails on a BMX bike with one brake. And I remember thinking it was the craziest thing. Like, couldn't stop going down these rocks, like feet down, like, wow. But it was awesome. And then my cousin let me borrow a dirt jumper for the next trip and... Yeah. yeah, and so then that was always in my mind. Yeah. And I was like, I have to get a bike. Like, that's so sick. Yeah, and did they stay with you through your progression of mountain biking in the beginning stages? Or oh, yeah, did we, you just keep meeting new people? I met new people, but they they definitely would take trips to North Star. I'm pretty sure there was one summer where every weekend I just went to North Star with them. Nice. And we would camp out in the forest. It was great. That's yeah, awesome. Such a good time. Mm-hmm. And uh, when did you start taking mountain biking a little bit more seriously? Or, or was there a certain point where you said, hey, you know what? Maybe if I stick to this, I see a future for myself into it. Or was that never part of the, I guess, beginning to medium? Totally stages? honest. Yeah, honestly, it never really was a thing for me. I was just kind of floating on this totally new adventure and journey. Right now you could travel. The types of terrain was totally different than my previous BMX stuff. And it was just all really intriguing to me. Uh, I just wanted it. I remember uh, yeah, that first trip to Whistler, went, going down some steep stuff was really enlightening, but yeah, kind of forgot your first question. You, did you ever, did you see a future for yourself career-wise with bikes or? Not really. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, it, the, my other parts of life where we had just done these random things and see how far we could go, that was kind of what I was on, and it, but it was no end goal. It yeah. was the end goal, really. It was just this amazing journey. And it was an addiction to getting better. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how else to describe it. I just wanted to keep progressing and not nice. really caring about a sponsor or anything. Maybe if they give you a deal, right? Like, yeah, yeah like this will help, but not really so much. And why do you think your brother didn't follow you? Because it sounds like you and your brother had a pretty close relationship and very similar interests. Did he join you in the bike journey or was that just something that never spoke to him? No, not really. Yeah, it just kind of wasn't his uh, thing. He was definitely more, he's too smart for it, man. Yeah. <laughs> he's just way into the learning about uh, tech issues and kind of being, keeping his creative streak in that realm. Nice. And do you remember your first sponsorship item or just something that a brand gave you because yes, you're Ryan? I do actually. Performance bikes, they had a bunch of uh, they had a bunch of bigger shops around Northern California. I remember one time they gave me a friend who worked there gave me some pedals. Nice. And I was yo, this is amazing. I just got some free pedals. So cool. <laughs> yeah, that was I'm pretty sure that was it. Anybody can correct me later. Right. I'm pretty sure that was it. That was a while ago. And is there any special people around that time period that you feel like took you to the next level that helped you get to where mm. you are now? Or were there people that guided you? Did you have any mentors in the sport that you looked up to that helped you? Hmm. Yeah, there were a few guys that I met in Marin County. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, 
this guy Tom Max. He now lives in San Francisco. He was he he loves trail building, and I kind of got introduced to that through him. But he was the man. He was always out there working. And yeah, there's this really cool California crew. Gosh, so many people I can name. Uh, also, there's a guy Morgan Brewer, and uh, oh my gosh, I was just talking on the phone, but I'm so sleepy. I knew I was gonna have a brain fart. Nice. He's gonna have to forgive me. He lives a. You it's know, pretty late. Just giving Pro. everyone a heads up yeah, on that. Yeah, it's too. pretty late. <laughs> but uh, yeah, these two homies, these two really close guys, I kind of got, I met them somehow. And they kind of introduced me to the, the trail biking aspect, right, of climbing yeah. and doing big rides. And then we would go out and do these huge missions in the East Bay area, like two in the morning, night shuttles, right, because we wanted to avoid the rangers. And then we would go up to the top of Mount Tam and rip down Tam, like super late at night. And at I think it, that really helped hone my skills awesome. with being on a trail bike and watching their form. And they went so fast. I, I just, they never went slow. They just went as fast as they could 110% of the time. So that was nice. pretty, that was wild for me. Incredible. Yeah. And so we're going to move a little bit more forward. So, I mean, currently you're riding for propane, you're riding for a bunch of really cool companies that we'll definitely shout out in a bit. But when do you feel like everything started growing for you? Good question. <clears throat> I guess, when did you get yeah. in your Instagram account? Ryan I, Rodriguez. I think I started that in probably 2015, nice. I think. And yeah, I was just posting up some, uh, I was into racing then. And I was not serious into racing. I was best as I can do, as fun as I could do at racing. And when it started kind of picking up was probably when we had this wild world situation mm -hmm. the last few years, right? And What situation? What right? wild world? <laughs> it's a wild situation where nobody Two wanted to, to come out of the houses, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, let's go to the desert. We had a whole little community out there in Virgin. And, uh, yeah, I think... And I have to give a shout out to Reed Boggs. He built a couple of drops. And one of them, by the old Rampage sites, uh, he had redone for a film. And I hit it, and it was a total mental unlock for me. I was like, oh, that was sick. It was a big one. Mm -hmm. And uh, Is that the mega viral video? No, no, uh, no, no. Uh, this was just another one that he had built. And nice. it was really cool. That was kind of like a point, like, wow, that was a pretty sick drop. Like, I've never done anything like that. I mean, I've been working up to it for years because I've been going out there for years. But... As far as kind of blowing up, I think spending time out there and maybe just having really cool videos that I think a lot of people really thought were really cool. I didn't realize it until I met people later and they would tell me and help me click this thing of like, wow, that that's pretty cool that all that stuff people can really dig. Awesome. And then uh, fast forward to today and when did stuff really just start clicking? The, the brand partnerships, the um, sponsorships, the... Because I'm assuming yeah. that this is probably a, is this your, would, would you consider mountain biking your full-time job? I think right now, yes. Nice. Yeah. And how, how did, how did that end up happening? Because I mean, obviously just right. you uh, hitting hmm. jumps in Virgin and then all of a sudden this being your full-time job, there yeah. had to be something that got you there. So I have to give a shout out to uh, the guys at Santa Cruz had helped me get bikes. Nice. And um, I was so, I was really stoked to like push it on those bikes. And at a point, this was probably two years ago now. A year before propane really came into the USA, Victor Sandrin, who I had met a few times here and there, uh, wrote me this random message. He said, mm, excuse me, he said, oh, I just uh, quit at uh, IXS Spank. And uh, I was like, oh, wow, interesting, right? Texting him back. He's like, yeah, I'm starting up propane in the USA. 
And I kind of jokingly responded like, well, let me know when you want some bike riders. Nice. And he's, he said, yeah, you're the top of my list. And I was like, whoa, what? So that was like a whole year before they really came into the USA. And yeah, that was kind of how that happened. And That's I just incredible. kind of would keep up with him every once in a while and go, hey, so like, what is this? What, what, what are we going to do? And there was, you know, they were setting up. So yeah. there was so much more infrastructure to lay in place before talking to me. But yeah. I kept on them, and here we are. Nice. Got to meet the whole German crew. Awesome. And, and uh, Angie, the Austrian, sweet, such a sweet lady. So, yeah, yeah great people. What do you think he saw in you? Hmm, maybe, I, hmm, I, maybe he saw the stoke factor. Maybe there was some authenticity, is what at least other people are telling me, that I'm now realizing is like, okay, there's no, there's no real crafted thing. It's just... I was really just out there trying to live this life of progressing on my bike. And, and, and kind of as an old guy too, right? Like all these other kids we're riding with are in the low 20s or whatever. And I'm over here in my past my mid 30s. Right? Nice. Like, I want to get better. Yeah. I want to do flips and spins and ride crazy ass stuff. So, so cool. Maybe that was part of it. Rad. Yeah. And so you have Propane come on board. What are some other companies that come on board and... Yeah, what, talk about your program right now. Yeah, the program right now, we have it. A, first, we'll start with what you can't see on the bike. It's a Tannis tire inserts. I had actually ran them for the whole year previous, and I just thought they were really awesome. The guys at Over the Edge, one time I pointed it out on the wall, and he's like, oh, he threw it to me, and he said, oh, try this out for us. See how you like it. Nice. They never got it back. Yeah. So, yeah, they never got it back. So. And then, yeah, they reached out to me, and we made a little connection. I'm more than happy to shout them out. I love Rad. that tire insert. And Spoke X Wheels awesome carbon wheels with a really cool customization all kinds of crazy hubs oh, i got some new wheel sets that are going to have some crazy spokes you're going to love awesome yeah 60 helmets in my opinion one of the best helmet makers and uh, grip it sports gloves i love these gloves and we're going to have to have you try some out i don't know if you signed any contracts <laughs> yeah but i know you don't like the gloves yet the glove program i i just i don't know what it is I've, I've tried so many different gloves on the market and there's just something about that connection between the palm into the fingers that just completely throws me off especially when i'm gripping the bar mm -hmm. i can just kind of feel it it bugs me agitates me but <laughs> i but, guess i can get it but, i can go gloveless with census grips yeah mm -hmm. but so you you got all these cool brands on board you're i mean this has become your full-time job if you had to look at, I mean, obviously you've met a lot of really cool people. I mean, recently yeah. you did Tour de Nar and you've been doing all like the free ride fiestas. <clears throat> what are some cool people that you've met and have any of them helped mentor you along the ways? I mean, because, I mean, this is a, I mean, you're, the bike industry is a wild place. Yeah. It, it's crazy. It's a lot of navigating, a lot of politicking. Uh, is there anyone that's really helped guide you in that sense? And talk about some of your experience, like with Tour de Nar and Free Ride Fiesta. Well, yeah, Johnny Salito. I remember meeting him at the Dirty Sanchez Enduro, but unfortunately he didn't race. He broke his hand, but I met him really briefly. And I showed up with Chelsea at Free Ride Fiesta, not expecting to ride. Uh, people don't know this. Chelsea got an invite. I just kind of showed up with her and I was like, oh, I'll just ride the other trails. But I brought my downhill bike just in case. I didn't know what other trails there were. I knew it was at a bike park. Johnny saw my downhill bike. And he's like, oh, you're going to ride the jumps? And I was like, what? Yo, let's do this. And yeah, so I was the only other person besides him to ride the course, kind of like top to bottom following him. 
So that was cool. I feel like maybe I got grandfathered in. But yeah, FBS is amazing. I definitely had a, what do you call it when you feel like you don't belong? Imposter like, syndrome. Imposter syndrome. I definitely get that. I'm like, what am I doing here? Nikolai Ragakin's over here. Antoine Bazette's over here. Reed Boggs is over here. Like all these amazing bike riders. But they're all super cool. Yeah. And just hang out with them like anybody else. It's just when they get on their bike. Even nice. I'm, I'm blown away. So it's yeah. super cool to ride with those guys. And how was Into the Nar? Yeah, Tour de Nar. That Tour was Nar, yeah, that sorry. was cool. So I met I met Johan at Fru uh sorry, uh, uh oh my gosh. So it's late everybody. At a Johnny Salito's event. Nice. Right. And I, I helped coach him off a couple of drops and jumps. And when I showed up into Canada, he wrote me a message and he's like, Hey Ryan, we're gonna do this uh, little half a tour de Nar day. And I was like, what? You and Burley just got my DMs. This is insane. And yeah, we went out. Had, we had so much fun that day. And uh, yeah, I kind of stuck around Canada for a while. And he's like, yeah, we have to do Tour de Nard. We're going to do this crazy thing. Him and Steve Vanderhoek had crafted this thing. And it sounded insane. And it was insane. <laughs> there, God, I got to deep dive into that in a second. Just a little bit. Right. Well, well, we'll get into it. But I do want to ask for like someone like Johan. I mean, Johan has been in the industry for so long. When you meet people like that, do they end up giving you some good advice? Do they help you with your program? How does that whole situation work? Um, he has helped me a little bit with uh, just kind of figuring out industry stuff. A very, nice. very minimal, not as much as you. you you've helped a lot. Oh, appreciate yeah, it. Seriously. And, uh, but I, I am curious because I feel like, I mean, our personal experience, it's interesting. Like you'll meet some people and you feel like, oh, it's gatekeeping to the max. Uh -huh. And it's like, there's no insider info whatsoever. Oh, but then every now and then you'll meet another person and it's all like, oh, wow, they'll just let you know about yeah. everything. That's how David Lieb is. He's very, you know, says kind of a base, uh, base one's maybe perceived worth. Yeah. David will help. And, nice. but, but. There, yeah, you know, there are not a lot. I've definitely asked some people questions like that. And I kind of be cool to make a little form. Yeah. Maybe there already is one. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to bounce ideas off each other. Do you, do you feel like there's a lot of gatekeeping within the industry or? Gosh, you know, I never really thought about that. So maybe it's something I'm, I've never really been aware of or, or just having too much fun to really yeah. to dive into that gatekeeping I mean, I mean, I'm sure there is, but I couldn't list any specific yeah. examples. And I, I guess when it comes down to, and I, we'll go back to Turinar because I really want to hear about your experience because that was one of the, it's one of the few festivals that I watch or events and I'm yeah. just blown away by the content and I definitely am super stoked on it. That and then the other one is, uh, what's it called? The one in the UK. There's there a Flat Out Days? No, the it's a race, but it's a little bit free ride style, but it's also a race. Oh, why am I blanking? Bernard Curls wins it. Oh, uh, Hardline. Hardline. I haven't been to that one. That that yeah. one looks insane. But yeah, so there's stuff like that. Where like, those two are definitely them. But I do want to ask you about the industry and, and money. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's a sensitive topic? Mm. Have you ever talked to people about money? No. Or do you feel like it's a yes, taboo? No. I have actually absolutely talked to people about money. I will ask. And are people I, pretty first, open? Yes. You have to set them, set them up, right? Like, hey, yeah. like I'm trying to figure this out for myself. Yeah. And I want to engage my like impact my impact on the the market on and reflected off your numbers right yeah i have asked people and most of the people i know i feel comfortable asking are nice all about it mm -hmm. i would say so and i think they might even be relieved because somebody asked them now they could kind of feel out their situation yeah 
Because yeah. it, it's weird. It, it almost seems like people feel like they can't talk about it. And mm -hmm. it's so weird, too, because I, I understand there's contracts and whatnot. But I mean, <laughs> in so many other industries, I mean, you have stuff like Glassdoor, which is a website which reveals people's salaries. And I feel like it's so easy to gauge how much other people are making in professions outside of the bike industry. Yes. But then as soon as it comes to the bike industry and sponsorships and all that stuff it's interesting it's, it's almost like a taboo it, it is you're right yeah and i don't know why it is like that maybe there's maybe there's a fear of athletes or companies with a jealousy from uh, fans or other just yeah. riders who aren't sponsored or, or and maybe they think it will impact sales interesting. I, i'm not sure yeah i don't know why and you know it, it that world is new to me yeah and i'm just navigating it for myself too and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely awkward at first, yeah. but I heard some tips from someone who said, you know, it doesn't have to be awkward. So I'm very oh, happy nice. about that. Rad. Was that me? <laughs> Might've been you. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a foreign world to me. And this yeah. has been a problem with my, my whole life is uh, new things. I might be really naive mm -hmm. or just not self-confident enough to really take the bull by the horns and, yeah. you know, if that makes any sense. No, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess another thing is like brand introductions. Like for me personally, when people reach out to me and they want like an introduction, especially if I think they're a really cool person and they'd be a cool fit for a brand. My whole thought process is I don't view it as a solid pie. Like I view it as um, like marketing dollars and whatnot. Like I feel like the pie only grows as the sport grows and so like i don't determine as a fix and i feel like i've met some people that if i need an intro to a company they're super quick to put me in contact they're like dude you would be super solid with that brand and i've done the same thing like if i think someone's super cool and i think they would be a good fit for a brand i'm quick to like make an introduction or if someone needs an introduction to a bike park or a marketing person like i'm all about networking but i've also seen the side where it's all like no way jose like mm. Now, and maybe they just don't think you're a good fit for the brand, but yeah. I do get a little bit of a feeling from a few situations that we've encountered that, like I said, there there is that kind of kind of protectiveness of the thing that they have going on. Do you have you experienced any of this? Do you feel like maybe one side is stronger than the other? Like the more <clears throat> are people quick to make intros? Well, I can sympathize with what you said about introducing people because i have definitely done that with a few companies that i work with with other people and i'm like ah it, you this company you don't know this person that i know but i think they'd be awesome and yeah. this is their region and this is what they're doing i love doing that when i think it works sometimes it sometimes you kind of make sense in your head yeah as far as being kind of barred from a situation hmm yeah, I've dealt with it a little bit, but at the same time, I would always kind of tell myself, well, you're only, you're not like this huge, mega famous person, right? Like, if I was. You are, though. Well, you're... <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. But no, I, I understand where right? you're coming from. And, so that's just like the, myself, my inner self worth or mm -hmm. income, what I perceive and compare to other bike riders. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but really, for me, I'm, I feel like I'm still too new into it i've mean, been riding bikes for 10 years but this industry really on this level is just the last couple of years interesting and i haven't really reached out to a lot of people yeah and uh and it's if i don't it's because i don't think i like I, I i'm not a big fan of them i mean i'm sure they make great stuff like yeah. everybody makes amazing stuff but uh, maybe it just doesn't connect with me on some level 
Yeah. So maybe I haven't reached out to enough people to get shunned from enough people. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I feel like the whole connecting people thing, like I'm pretty big on networking and I'm pretty big on like making connections for people. And I feel like I learned that if I had to say two people, it'd be like Bryce and Martin. Yes. Bryson was super cool with us to where he would always just introduce us. If you guys don't know, Bryson's the owner of DVO Suspension. He would just introduce us to everyone, yeah. anyone and everyone. I was going to give him a shout out earlier when you said influential yeah. people. Yeah, Bryson for sure. He, and Ronnie, love those guys. They're awesome. And it, it was one of those things where like I saw like the power of networking through that. And then I would just try to do the same for Bryson, same for other people in those situations. And uh, yeah, it's just a thing with networking connections. Another person is actually Steve Blick with Shimano. He's been around for a while, but uh, yeah, it, it is interesting, that whole aspect. Now, I, I want to kind of go back to that that topic of self-worth and imposter syndrome. Do you still have that self, that imposter syndrome? I think I've worked through it a little bit because yeah. I've just realized, okay, the kids are throwing these double flips, twisty spinnies, feet are flying everywhere. I'm like, you know what? about to be 39 years old. I'm so stoked that I can even be here. I still wonder sure. how it even happened. I, yeah. I, I, every day I'm sometimes like, what, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Do you feel like maybe you don't play into that part enough? Because I feel like, so one of our common friends, mutual friends is Sebastian. Yes. Uh, the normal MTBer. And if you guys haven't seen his content, he makes amazing Instagram and YouTube content. Super funny dude. But I feel like one thing that people relate to to him is, I mean, him being a heavier guy and still sending it. Yes. He has this, I mean, it's inspiring, especially if like you're someone in a similar situation. Um, do you feel, because I, I feel like most people don't know that you're 39. Maybe they don't. Actually, when I met uh, the head of Griffith Sports, yeah. I was like, ah. You're older than I thought. I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little old. For sure. Com in comparison. But do you right. feel like that? that's a that's maybe an audience that maybe you haven't tapped into? I ha have people have, I've seen comments on the internet like, hey, the older this guy gets, the harder he shreds. And like, oh, that's pretty badass. Like, yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> but an uh, audience that I haven't tapped into, gosh, the Tour de Nard thing, I think, helped reach a lot of people. A lot of people came up to me. Every, really? All the, everywhere. Every yeah. bike park I've been to. It's pretty inspiring. I mean, like, at, at, I mean, I'm 30 years old and I can't backflip a bike, and I'm, I'm nowhere near. I will never be Yet. anywhere close to backflipping back a bike. I backflip bikes till I was like 35 years old. But before. that once again, time. that's something that's so inspiring. I feel like is inspiring <laughs> to so many people in that kind of age demo. Mm -hmm. um, and, and and so I guess I want to go back to Tour de Nord because yeah. we touched on briefly. Johan is probably one of the raddest mountain bikers out there. Yeah, and it's such an awesome, awesome dude. He's so genuine and yeah. authentic, and he's got this never-ending energy and good, sure. good spirit it's true it's true people listening in uh you know, he, that guy is just an awesome dude and he's one of the few racers i feel like that their personality was almost more valuable than their race results yeah where even though he was an insanely good racer and mm -hmm. he was super fast and he definitely won a bunch of competitions it it almost seemed like there was so much more value in him being the cool person he is Absolutely. And he was able to kind of, I, I don't know, I don't know what his whole program right. is. And maybe if he had to quit racing, or I don't know mm -hmm. how that is, but it, it kind of seemed like a no brainer that um, he can be himself and run his own. I don't know much about it, but so what are your thoughts on Johan and tell me a little bit more about your tour de Nar experience. Yeah. Johan, when I met him, he, you, right. We can, there's so many yeah. ways to pronounce it the French way, the American way though. Yeah. When I first met him, just a, the real genuine, 
real genuine guy. You can tell he really cares about things. And I'm not blowing smoke up anybody's butt, right? Uh, to include me in that day, I was, I couldn't believe it. I was just th that whole day, all day, I was thinking to myself, like usual in some events, what the hell am I doing here? This is awesome. Nice. That day that he set up and with Steve. And uh, sorry, what is oh, yeah. Tour de Nar? So for people who don't know. So what, this is what they set up. Uh, Johan and Steve had this idea to go from North Vancouver all the way to Pemberton, hitting all of the gnarliest little bits of lines that they could and see how much they could go for in a day. And so they did this. I think it was just them two. And they told me all about it. Oh, we were so tired. It was insane. We went like 16 hours. And then they basically just added people to it this year. Or, uh, sorry, last year. And the night before, me and Steve were just up all night, giddy, talking about bikes. Steve was super pumped. And I was super pumped. I went to bed in my van, and I did not sleep a second, right? Not one second. It was just a few hours later, Steve came out and, like, knocked on the van, brought me nice. some coffee. Such a sweet dude. And that's our day. We met, and the first line of the day, like, as the sun was coming up, Steve... Just had the worst crash. I like, saw that video. Yeah, and it was one of those moments where you're like, where you can't even believe what just happened. Yeah. Right? We were all in shock. Nobody could say anything. The medics ran to him, and it was just the craziest way to start. Like, I think we were all thinking, like, well, do we just stop now? Yeah. Like, are we just going to quit? And why did the event keep going? Well, Steve was okay. He was on the ground for a long time. Yeah. And he got up, and he's another one of these guys. He's just so cool. He's such a rad dude. It's yeah. crazy. And his spirits were up. He's nice. like, he, he was like, uh, I can't. You could, Maybe he was embarrassed that he crashed right away. Yeah. You know, but we were just like, dude, this is, your line is insane. Yeah. And, uh, but he was stoked and we all decided to drop in on his line, but halfway. Yeah. Because there was like this gap on the upper section and we were just, well, let's not do the gap. We'll just start and see how it feels. And then, yeah, we just continued the day. The day. But where people, I mean, when you see someone wreck themselves that bad, especially before, I, it sounds like you guys were on like percent, five percent of a I was. 100 percent ride. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Two percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, to be totally honest, we all knew that Steve was hurting. He probably broke a bunch of bones, which he yeah. did. But uh, as soon as we got to the second line that all when we started studying it, that all kind of went away. Nice. And uh, Johan was explaining this uh, busted axe wound was the name. And he was breaking it down for everybody. And it was loose and wild and complicated with, uh, with trees he didn't want to hit. <laughs> and nice. and uh, yeah, so it was kind of just game on from there. Rad. Yeah. And um, so you progress throughout the day. You're hitting all these. And if you guys haven't seen the video, just look up Ryan's YouTube channel, Ryan Rodriguez. Or just do a simple Tour Dinar search. And there's a ton of videos on the day. I mean, you guys are hitting some of the biggest features are you at ever point thinking to yourself i'm not qualified to do this or are you fully like i know i'm supposed to be here i never thought that i i was thinking this is awesome uh, i had a couple of moments when i came down i think it was the third line and we had watched yoan and i watched you i think watching him was watching some of the best bike riding i've ever seen in my life but uh coming down these really steep rock slabs in the middle of the summer and then you hit the dry, loose dirt, that's where a lot of people were having tro uh, trouble. Mm. But uh, no, the whole time I was in the game, I, I was deliriously exhausted after about the quarter way point. But uh, I was like, whatever, I'm gonna, 
I'm so loopy, but I'm so stoked. And nice. like, this is so cool to experience this. And yeah, we worked our way feature to feature. There was one feature that uh, I bonked out so hard from lack of sleep that I just, I was like, okay, I already got pretty loose on some exits. I'm not going to do this one. No yeah. problem. Yeah. And regain focus, eat a little, uh, drink some coffee or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we worked our way through the day. It was a mental fight for me, but I wasn't mad about it. It was just hard because of the sleep and gauging speed. I, I had a couple of good crashes because I, I was so tired. I couldn't gauge my speed Crazy. and think ahead. Right. Yeah. And luckily uh, tonight, all you have to do is this podcast. You don't have to do yeah. Jordan R. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Though that day it was about, ah, gosh, it might've been seven forty-five, eight o'clock. Maybe we showed up to the very last feature. I think everybody's seen the on off rock drop situation. Mm -hmm. They had rebuilt it from writers previous. And I stood on that thing and I looked at it and I was so tired and I, I was, <laughs> I couldn't think straight. I was seeing shadows Crazy. from hiking all day with the bike. And I was like, wow, this is, I, I actually thought like, I can't believe y'all brought us here. Like, this is oh, ridiculous. Wow. Like this is, you could, you could be seriously ruined, right? With the rocks and <laughs> the, if you But didn't. you crushed it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yohan showed us how to do it. It was still super blind and just, just kind of doing some run-ups and feeling out where you need to hold your brakes for how hard release when do you want to release your brakes you know you had to aim a little to the left because the line wasn't lined up and then uh carve off a little bit but yeah sent it and that was a sweet relief crashed down into the bushes because nice. the runout was so dry and uh i was in cloud nine i was yeah. so stoked that video i mean do I, everything i watched your pov almost. and my palms were sweaty the entire time yeah, i feel sweet. like it was such a good kind of visual representation of it um i do want to talk a little bit about someone like johan because uh i mean super rad dude once again huge media following when you take someone like him and someone like a racer like aaron gwynn or a more traditional racer mm -hmm. um from a brand value perspective and we don't have to get into this if you don't want to oh, yeah. but in your eyes which brings more value or do they bring value in different ways i definitely think it's different ways yeah right and i think this is what a lot of people don't realize racing versus uh somebody who connects with the like more of the not just the mean but more of the masses mm -hmm. the people who want to ride all the time but they have to work and they have to but they can only ride on the weekend versus the younger crowd who maybe they're really into racing right and the hardcore the core mentality who are watching the world cup all the time it's so i think it's totally different interesting and i don't know if one's worth more than the other but yeah and as far as their say internet followership i, I don't know it might be around the same yeah i'm not sure i know there's like hundreds of thousands that for sure have, right if you're if you're a brand manager and you have a million dollar budget how are you divvying it up between remy and aaron gwynn Hmm. you're trying to sign both yeah gosh i honestly um for me personally i loved racing and i i was yeah i, I raced the whole country and i was really into it but i never felt like i was a, a part of it i was just doing it because it was fun right i was never like a racer i, I did win uh u.s championships my first year in the cat one and uh but I, and i went into pro but i never felt like i was a racer yeah I, I never felt like a in that scene so i feel like the people who can coach more people or help more people learn about riding and set up yeah as far i i feel like i would put a little more value in that nice i think yeah i mean it's but racing is 
amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like that's an that's an elite level of athleticism that uh, that is just hard to comprehend for so many people. For sure. And yeah, I definitely think both have their have their places for sure. I mean, from the racing side, you have so much product development and product feedback yes. that kind of comes back from that. Um, but then at the same time too, so like my answer to that question, I mean, I, I still think, and this is just a personal opinion, obviously a, a biased one, cause I'm not that into racing. I definitely see a lot more value in someone like Johan just from a, how the sport has kind of shifted over the years. I mean, you have right. so many kids getting into the exactly. sport. You have so many just casual recreational riders that I feel like Johan kind of brings, and, and also someone, I mean, less of a chaotic personality, but similar French accent. And we talk about the French off the podcast, but they are, I mean, at the end of the day, they're really cool. Remy <laughs> Metallier. Yeah. Um, so he, he's definitely not as chaotic as Johan from a personality perspective, like in terms of like high energy. However, they're both, I feel like fall in this category of almost influencer. However, with professional rider skill levels. Yes. Because I mean, they're insane. Both mm -hmm. of them are insane on the bikes. And so I feel like with both Remy and Johan, you kind of get both worlds. You get the product feedback that comes from both of them. Because I'm sure that Remy just thrashes components to the point. And same with Johan. Um, so you get like that product feedback. But at the same time, you also get like a, a more marketing approach. So... Yeah, thr uh, thrashing the products. Yeah, both those guys. So this is what's cool riding with both of those guys. I've seen them both ride and it's some of the coolest biking I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's they're when it when they're rolling on the wheels, they're so precise, analytical and per perfect form, right? For There's sure. really an emphasis on that. So they both ride like that. Yeah. But the personality entrance into it is very different. Totally. Right? Uh <laughs> right, when you watch any one of Remy's videos where, very analytical and for sure and technically uh, detailed yeah and uh you know i honestly i don't watch a lot of mountain bike youtube videos totally. so i so how you johan might do it i'm not yeah. exactly sure but in life you he i saw him do this slab that i still is implanted in my brain forever and he you know went back and forth a little bit about it and it was starting to rain a little bit and he looked okay i go yeah how's my, how's my impression no it's solid and it was That's some of the, some of the most <laughs> amazing bike riding i've ever seen but i feel like their mentalities into it totally are just different it, yeah it's hard to for sure express that but it, it's interesting and i would say like it just becomes interesting to like someone like aaron gwynn or someone like a top level racer is i mean that just kind of seems like a tough competition because now you have people who have that personality side, but they also have that skill set to really, I feel like they probably, I mean, Remy seems like the type of person that could probably write an, a textbook on how a suspension felt that day. Yeah. And so does Johan. Johan right. seems like he's very in tune with and his bike. I have heard Aaron Gwynn and his mechanic out of race at Bootleg. Uh, I remember him saying, oh, I can, what did he say? He, there was like a, a crazy shock difference. Yeah. And he, uh, his mechanic came over to use one of the DVO tools. And I can't recall exactly what it was, but it was this minutia of difference. Yeah. Minutia. And uh, I was like, wow, that's crazy. He is so tuned in. Yeah. It's, Aaron Gwynn is so dialed. Do you so think it's in. important, though, for some, for the race circuit to be involved in a social media aspect? Or do you feel like, racing is racing keep it racing hmm well 
gosh, I don't know. I really like what just the athletes on the race circuit already do. I love seeing racer flybys and, and uh, watching how fast they go and how hard they can just nail turns. And to me, I love it. It's like a movement of art, right? Yeah. It's just like all of biking. And uh, well, to go back real fast with like a budget for World Cup racing, for instance, some things need to exist just because it's magical in the universe that they exist at all, right? There's like bands like this, right? There's, yeah. there's like bands that came together and you're like, wow, I can't believe the universe did that. Yeah. Bike racing is one of those things. Like it just, it has to exist. And For sure. We had that conversation with Joey Foresta on the last podcast where it, it, it's almost like the Olympics of mountain biking. It's like this traditional thing. It's World Cups. Yeah. Um, and I definitely, I can see that aspect as well. Um, but I switched up the subject for a sec, but yeah. no, no, it's good. It, it's, and yeah, it's, it's so interesting. And then, I mean, obviously you have a third element, you have free ride, which doesn't necessarily fall into that racing spectrum, but at the same time, those are also professional athletes, um, from a, a, a bike feedback standpoint, who do you think provides the best feedback, the free rider, the downhill racer? or the Remy and the Johans? Hmm. Not the free rider. Really? Yeah, as, as amazing as they are, I've, I can just, they do, I've seen some of these guys do whatever they want on whatever they want, almost it seems. So it's a natural it's talent. It's so natural, and the bikes are in, in that aspect similar enough, I think, that, that uh, yeah, it, it's not a huge thing to, like a, a detailed nitpicky performance feedback. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you, so, do you think that is for, for most riders at the pro level? Do you think like when someone announces like I am now riding for this brand, do you think that brand is actually going to make them a better rider? Or do you think that when you get to a certain skill level, you're going to make any bike work? Uh, yeah, there are definitely suspension platforms that I think will help somebody go faster through chunky stuff. Um, free ride, I feel like almost anything can work. Back when I was riding Santa Cruz, people would say, oh, you don't want to get Santa Cruz, they can't jump. Ah, they were awesome, right? Yeah. It, just like this bike, like it's awesome. Um, I think racing and pushing it is kind of the where it's at for bike feedback and people nice. who are so in tune with it. Uh, it, it may not translate to the everyday, uh, like the person who isn't super pro. Uh, so that That's an interesting thing is like, how do you relay feedback to somebody who maybe is kind of newer and doesn't yeah. know how to set up a bike or or what can help them for sure who do you think right now currently i mean whether it's a free rider whether it's a professional downhill racer or whether it's uh, I, I guess more influencer based who do you feel like provides the most value to their company like a, an individual oh goodness god like who do you think you're like holy hell that person is changing the company and is yeah it's insane Jeez. I know it's probably, that's a loaded question, oh, gosh. but I'm curious. Hmm. Jeez, you have to cut and let me think on that one for yeah. a second. I know there's so many athletes <laughs> there out there, so, so many. many cool people. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Hmm. I have to put that one in the back yeah. of my mind. We're going to yeah. think that, about that, and one. then if you come back yeah. to that answer, I would it's say. Like, how, who do you start? You start, you can list so many people. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> obviously you have Remy. I mean, Remy's yeah. really dialed in the mm -hmm. affiliate side. Yeah. And I feel like he's, I mean, he's one of those people that like, you kind of look at his stuff and it's like almost relatable mm -hmm. because you're like, 
he breaks it down so simply like in his like terminology but then all of a sudden you see him do it and you're like i'm never actually going to be able to do it but he like kind of puts that hope into you that like oh maybe i can oh i hope he does he, he breaks yeah. it down mm -hmm. um so i feel like he would be on that list i i do think aaron gwynn definitely when he kind of shifts to a brand he, i would say at least yt i feel like a huge part of yt's success was attributed to aaron gwynn i think so but I also feel like a huge part of YT success is attributed to Dylan Styrick. Yeah, right. And now they have a couple. Of, they have this other guy, D Dakota, now, who people, I can't recall his Instagram handle, but. I met him. He's, he's a super like, yeah, cool guy. Cool dude. And I can't believe what he does on his bike. It's yeah. Blows my mind. I told him yesterday, I was like, dude, I can't believe it. You're just un unbelievable. But is there, so no certain athlete or influencer or. That provides good feedback? That, that you think provides the most value to the brand? Gosh, I don't know. You, you're making me think of when I was just at the German headquarters. I yeah. provided some feedback that I thought was pretty valuable. So maybe it's you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, who would it be? Gosh, I think Aaron, what they're doing on Intense, right? Yeah. They're, they're switching up their suspension and doing crazy things. I think uh, Chris Canfield, if he were to talk, oh, wow. yeah, if he were to talk to companies, he's kind of his own. He's in the genius little realm of his own. Yeah. And, and a cool dude. And maybe he could provide valued feedback to companies. And he, does, he doesn't have to be affiliated with anybody. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be like a sponsored writer in a sense, right? And in your eyes, where does someone like Sebastian lie? Like normal MTB or Because he's in this like, he's, in, he's almost pioneering his own yes, lane. It's he's unbelievable. Yeah. I, gosh, where does he lie? He's just what you said. He's pioneering his own thing. Yeah. It, and it's genius. It's, it's so good. He, and for people who don't know, he's actually another genius. I've had some chats with him, and he's just so intelligent. For sure. Uh, un, unworldly intelligent. I want to tell a quick story about him. Let's do it. The very first spot I ever started riding, uh, this little spot we had in Marin County, uh, it's kind of like a little play zone, some jumps, a couple lines, a drop. And he was out there, and I remember seeing him, and I, I probably talked with him a few times. There's a bunch of people kind of just in this little zone. And we had built this drop, the one that I broke that trek on, and I remember... He sent it. I don't know if I was there for this, but he overshot it. And I think he, he had like a pretty bad injury. And then I never saw him for about seven, eight years. And I kind of just forgot about him. And then I was seeing this guy on Instagram pop up. And I was going like, wait a second. Crazy. Is this that guy? Yeah. Right? And then I, I'm pretty sure he messaged me one day. And he's like, hey, Ryan. Uh, like, uh, whatever he said, he's just like saying hi. Yeah. And I was like, dude. Are you the this guy who crashed a graveyard? No He's like, way. yeah. And I was like, no way. Yeah, yeah. Such a small world, right? And what so a crazy. genuinely nice guy. Absolutely. Like, yeah. And he's no got his brother. And, yeah, his, yeah, his brother's really out cool. there hooking him up and helping him. And, yeah. and he shreds too. He's not behind the camera so much, but yeah, it's a brother, a true uh, brother effort. For Incredible. Sure. Well, so going back to Tour de Nar, so shortly after Tour de Nar, you were out there riding and you blew up your knee. Yes, and with Johan. With Johan. <laughs> yeah. So first off, walk me through what happened that day. Okay, well, I had just built my spin drift uh, be right before Tour de Nar, and that whole day, uh, I only had one suspension set up to build it with, and it was awesome on A-line, throwing backflips on A-line, stiff suspension. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to ride this bike, Tour de Nar. I got in there, and I immediately realized like, I had way too stiff of a spring. I couldn't lower my fork pressure because my fork would dive. And so I was struggling like that. I wasn't trying to complain about it at that day. I didn't want to be that guy, you know, bitching about his bike. But it was in my head. And uh, so then maybe a week or two later, 
I didn't change anything and they all wanted to go on this early morning ride. And I kind of stressed about it because they said it was going to be all gnarly. And I didn't sleep again because I uh. overthink. We went on this ride and, uh, yeah, excuse me, I kind of bonked out from no sleeping. And he went, we went down this trail and I remember him saying, Ryan, we must be very careful. This is very dangerous. And I was like, all right. He's like, yeah. It's a, so we must be careful. And I was like, all right. So we're going down feature by feature with this big crew. And it was this carnage where there were Cami, Nagara, and uh, Chelsea, and Nate Davidson, and, and a couple of other folks. And there was like carnage. Cami blew up a wheel, had to hike down the whole thing. And another guy we were with crashed off this cliff. And we couldn't find his bike for 30 minutes. And last feature, I just kind of misjudged. I was out of it and my suspension, and I knew better. I knew I should have walked, right? I, sh I, I was like, hey, don't prove anything. You, you feel like crap and your bike mm. is not set up for this. And yeah, I, I kind of aired out off of this little ledge where you're supposed to stop into and then kind of go back down. And I basically aired this whole section, bottomed out super hard and just railed into this tree and ripped uh, my, yeah. blew up my knee. <laughs> so you, and I remember you needed surgery for that, right? Yeah. I had three, uh, two fractures. I kind of crunched down the edge of my uh, tibia plateau and released a bunch of cartilage. Yeah, yeah. You know, now I now have sympathy for people who have knee injuries. So, yeah. And I got to ask you, because I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like when that happened, you were kind of, everything was kind of really starting to come together for you then. I feel like a lot of your deals had... A little bit. I remember talking um, to you a little bit. Um when something like that happens, what's your mindset? Is it, oh shit, I just ruined everything? Or no. is it, this is part of the sport and you're not worried? Yeah, I remember everybody helping me up and I tried to put weight on my leg and it just kind of buckled like yeah. sideways. It like went all weird and weird shape. And I was, I remember thinking, I remember seeing everybody else panic more than me and yeah. I wanted to calm them down. I remember just thinking, damn, this is gonna take a long time to heal. Yeah. I didn't really think about any bike problems. But I no just, sponsorship problems, no... I didn't think about anything like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, no sponsorship problems. Yeah, I feel like most people I feel like most people overthink everything mm -hmm. and everyone's always like, oh, this is... I feel like people get stuck in this mentality of... Maybe. This has to happen at this time. Right. And like, oh, shit, now everything's going to be screwed over. Yeah. And you never had I, any I, thoughts I, of... Maybe a little bit. Maybe before I really knew the extent of the damage, and I knew it was pretty bad, I didn't really let on anything to the, my people at propane <laughs> i was kind of oh, like well yeah. let's just wait and see like what the doctor says yeah like but uh no if, if somebody's gonna drop somebody over uh, like an injury yeah uh, especially I, in the sport whatever yeah, yeah. good like, crazy like, like, like i i don't need those people in my life <laughs> yeah. in, in a way and then so to speak right but, and uh, so that and yeah it, it's just it's interesting too because i mean so you you're you're going through, it almost seems, contract negotiations with the injury. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like most people were understanding? Oh, absolutely. Nice. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it wasn't even an issue. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, how are you feeling? Are you going to be back riding? Yeah, no problem. That's yeah, awesome. for me. Yeah. And that's why I think the cool part about our industry is, mm -hmm. is I mean, once again, it comes with the right? sport. Yeah, how about how about uh, we got Cami on the team, and we were in Mexico for Red Fiesta, and I was with uh, our athlete propane man our athlete manager and uh, filmer that they brought from Germany. Expensive, right? We're on the way to meet Cami at the park or at the jumps to film her intro to propane bikes. Ten minutes away, I get a phone call from my buddy Mo, who owns the bike shop Hexcentrics, 
and he's just kind of like, I have bad news. Oh, and, no. we're, and we're like, okay, what happened? Cammy crashed. She's at the hospital. Oh, no. <laughs> we're like, whoa, whoa, surreal, right? And they were just kind of like, okay, we will just work just with it. the sport. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's really important to find that support network. Like once yeah. again, like you were saying, if someone's really going to drop you over that, then yeah. screw those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I see if somebody is in the position where they need that salary, right? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, it's different for everybody. For me, I, I could... I don't have to be a sponsored yeah. bike rider. I, I, it's, I, I could be just as happy just floating around like nice. a dirtbag bum, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I, and we're going to start getting, I mean, the, we're going to stray away from bike questions a little bit. It'll still be bike related, but we're going to go a little deep here. So you're 39 years old. What does the future of Ryan look like? And what's your goal in life? Right. So now that I, now that you bring that up and I've said floating around like a dirtbag bum, mm-hmm. I, I recently am kind of like, oh, I've kind of backed myself into this corner of where I only at the moment have option to kind of see where I can go with the biking thing. Right. Uh, goal in life. Gosh, kind of been living it really. Yeah. I mean, before bikes and the, the adventure, the unbelievable adventure of playing music, with my brother, like, <laughs> goal achieved right As, nice. uh, yeah yeah it didn't like tour the world no you've seen so much it was just unbelievable so yeah there's these goals that it's kind of playing out in their own fashion though i mean owning a big chunk of land and kind of becoming that old hermit yeah <laughs> kind of sounds like fun sometimes <laughs> do you ever question because i mean especially like as you start to get to 39 and there's so much societal pressure to live a more traditional life and i mean we get it all the time so my girlfriend Mm -hmm. hannah and i we live in a van full time and we're always getting asked the question like oh cool like like, you guys live in a van like when are you guys going to stop or like when is this kind of phase of your life going to be over and i can't imagine like 39 obviously you're getting close to 40 and obviously you have a lot of probably friends who live more traditional lives is there ever any pressure is there ever any doubt that you're not on the right path Oh, there has been tons of that. And oh, poor Chelsea, when we were going out, she always had so to hear that. So explain who right? Chelsea is, because I mean, we've oh, said sorry, Chelsea's yeah. name. Chelsea Kimball, right? She rides for Specialized. I, uh, yeah, we went out for a lot of years, and it was awesome watching her progress. From I remember her being really scared of a tiny little step up in Santa Cruz when I was riding with her maybe six, seven years ago to sending the biggest jumps at Darkfest. Nice. So it's been, you know, Queen of Darkfest. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, that's, that's Chelsea. She's an awesome human and a badass bike rider. Nice. Mm-hmm. And you brought her up because? Uh, she had to hear, she did hear me go like, gosh, I don't know, like, what I'm doing in my life. Like, is this, like, the right thing? Um, yeah, no, you're right. There, I, I probably uh, how should did have she mentioned calm, that. Yeah, how did she calm you down? Uh, well, I was never really, I was just kind of more philosophically, <laughs> philosophical about questioning myself, I guess. And uh, yeah, you do have this aimless feeling sometimes, I, at least I do. Uh, but at the same time, there's all these benefits to it, right? And if you step back and realize like this crazy adventure that you've kind of lived in life, to me, I, it's been pretty cool. And uh, I'm like, well, then I talk to other people and they go, Ryan, you're like really doing it, man. You're like, you're traveling everywhere. You're riding your bike. Yeah. And I'm like, huh. You know, you might be onto something there. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
this is pretty awesome. So things have, in the past, things have played out. Things have come together, uh, like amazing places to live. Like the, I had this huge six acre ranch in Nevada, California for like seven years. And like how that happened was pretty cool. Like these things happened in my life. And I'm, I'm sure things will happen. Nice. And, uh, whatever happens, as long as it's not terrible, yeah. probably be pretty okay. <laughs> Do you think you would ever want to go to a more traditional life, like where you have a like a significant other and children, and, and a job, and a job? Ah, right, sounds brutal. The job yeah. part. When's Staying the last time you had like a more traditional job? Well, I just worked at Propane for a whopping three months when nice. I was healing from my knee injury. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, no, I I did work at a uh, oil refinery. Uh, for a when? couple of years, uh, yeah, uh, that was in my music days as well. Crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I yeah, I worked at uh, some restaurants. Uh, the, I think the oil refinery was probably the most intense job. That was pretty crazy. Where yeah, I, people were like, ah, oh, they're probably thinking Ryan can't have a job, won't ever commit. I worked for forty six days in a row, twelve hour shifts insane. at the Shell oil refinery. Yeah, no days off. Just insane. But, uh, are you are you opposed to a traditional job? Is, no. is it something that maybe you've been scarred from, or is it something that you <laughs> right. just that experience definitely polarized me yeah. for sure? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not opposed to it, not at all. Uh, yeah, especially if it was something that was stoking people out. Like, like let's use Ronnie for example of DVO Suspension. That dude is stoked. He knows he's stoking people out. He loves teching out and geeking out on suspension. Like, I, I'm pretty sure he's pretty stoked and you can always use people like that for uh or just you want to model yourself after that and their mentality sure. you can you can definitely model your mentality after that i think no ronnie's amazing rob's mm -hmm. amazing yeah. john's jp's amazing the whole yeah. dvo crew um and so we're gonna go into hypotheticals here hypothetical you meet a girl you guys are in a committed relationship Ooh, this is uh, deep <laughs> but yeah yeah send it next year at the end of next year, you guys have been together for a year. She tells you, Ryan, I'm, I'm pregnant. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, that's how accidents like me happen. What? Yeah, oh, no, no problem. Yeah. What's, what's, how do you react from there? Um, well, a reaction in this crazy polarized climate of this, the division we live in, my reaction is probably going to be a bit neutral on, well, what is her reaction? Right. Uh, oh, we're not we're not getting into the topic of abortions or anything. Okay, like, yeah. No, no, I'm I'm more saying like you guys oh, yeah. are having She's gonna a kid. have a baby. Yeah, let's not. We oh, don't yeah, we no, don't get I'm controversial. Gonna be, I'm gonna here. be fully. I'm gonna be fully. Uh, are you searching in, for a full time job at that point? Are you maybe trying right? to make a more yeah that would traditional lifestyle that work? would definitely be a change uh, change of, of the game and and that happens to people right that happened to my dad he was he was a uh, he was working at a submarine place Mare Island in California uh, old Navy facility. And then he found out he was having me and he's like, oh, screw this. I'm going to become an airline pilot. Right. Oh, so, nice. And I'm sure like something. Yeah, I would I would be. Yeah, I would have to accept it. It would be I would not mind a little rug rat running around at some point. Like, yeah, yeah no problem. The, that's, the, well, that's just life. You're right. The, the journey of life. The thing with people and I mean, both Hannah and I, we know some that's it kind of comes with the, the lifestyle. Right. Yeah. The lifestyle comes with cool friends. Mm. Like we've met so many cool people oh, yeah. that live non-traditional lives. And it almost sometimes feel like we know more people who live non-traditional lives than traditional. Yep. And the <laughs> thing is, at least in my situation, I always feel like those who live non-traditional lives 
you look at them and you're like, man, you'd be such a good parent. Like, cause oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're so loving. Cause they, I mean, they love their own life. They're kind of, and they always seem like they would just be like from a, a parent perspective, like, man, like you'd be a really good parent, but that lifestyle, I feel like a lot of times doesn't make room for that opportunity. Um, and so it's like, it's, it's interesting. Like I look at you, I'm like, Oh dude, you would be an amazing dad. Cause oh, I mean, you're such nice. a caring person, <laughs> a loving person. The only thing I could maybe see is, I mean, you probably have to put a GPS locator on your kid because oh, I, I could see you sure. losing him a couple yep. of times. Mm. But <laughs> yeah, do you? Is that something like if you got to sixteen, you didn't have a kid? Is that something you think you would regret? Uh probably me. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so, I know that some people seemingly are great with it, but yeah, I would, I would probably be a little regretful over that. I think. Do you think yeah. you're you're searching? I mean, if you are searching, because say it on the podcast now. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say when some actually actively searching. Yeah. Yeah, not actively searching. What's your ideal woman or man? We're gonna keep it an open ended. What's your ideal <laughs> partner? Uh, what what describe like what what are you searching for in, in a partner oh goodness oh gosh it's turning into a dating podcast. yeah i know <laughs> can we skip this part <laughs> you really want to skip wanna, it this wanna, is this wanna, is where you draw the line it's like how do i do i really want to exile 99 percent of the women out there? <laughs> realistically yeah is this really where we're drawing the line? It's funny too, because me and Ryan, we, we were talking about stuff we could talk about on the podcast and there's so much that he wants to talk about that I don't want to talk about, uh, more controversial topics, but I'm very shocked that this is the line that where Ryan is drawing. Right. I don't know. Gosh, I, I maybe a, yeah, a woman who maybe is, understands the power of femininity, right? Pronounce it correctly, femininity and understands the, how powerful it can be being a woman. Yeah. And it, that to keep it super simple, something along those lines. Yeah. I think. And so you're hoping kids within the next five years? Whew. I mean, you're getting up there. When, yeah, we're when, getting up there. When does it... Uh, I better start searching. Yeah, when do the, the human <laughs> the human reproduction system parts stop working? For me, I think they're, they're going to go for a while. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, you don't want to be an old fogey with a little rug rat, huh? Yeah. All right. And what's something that, I mean, if you were, we don't want to talk about death. I mean, obviously we, we hope that we both are, I hope we're, you're in your nineties and I'm in my eighties and we're still talking about all the controversial stuff that we talk about outside of this podcast. Yes. Um, but if you were to leave this planet, what's something that you would have hoped is your impression? That well, you left on the world. So this kind of thing comes up in my head every so often, and I, I and I always end out end up view, like backing out and seeing the big picture that everybody eventually right. And it's like, yeah. so what can you do? Uh, I think the magic of existing in the universe with happiness as much as possible and great and being grateful for situations is really crucial. Gratitude, I think, is probably one of the things many people should or ought to work on, work on. For sure. <laughs> I think that's like truly being present and hopefully spread some joy and some entertainment with some crash videos. Nice. <laughs> hopefully. Do you have any fears? Like deep down inside? Um, yeah. I, I know there are some fears in there. Maybe, uh, 
maybe for me, my whole life, I wish I would have been or would have learned how to be more self. Uh, what was? What did I mention earlier? It's getting late, huh? Uh, more self-esteem. More confident. More confident. Yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I do always have fears of not growing into my full potential of not being fully confident. And that's kind of like an upbringing thing, uh, a programming, trying to work breakthrough, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. But I don't know. I feel like, uh, and once again, I mean, that that's the answer you chose for yourself. But just as an outsider looking at you and knowing you over the last few years, I feel like just your humbleness because i mean you're a really awesome person but that humbleness kind of makes you who you are because sometimes i'm like dude does ryan know how cool he is (laughs) and it's like this awe-inspiring thing because i mean i i'm on a little bit of the opposite spectrum sometimes i definitely know i can be too cocky um and it's just like i also know that's probably one of my weak spots is that but it's it's so cool because sometimes I'll have conversations with you and I'm like, dude, I really don't think Ryan gets it, like how cool he is. And it almost kind of humbles me a little bit where I'm like, dude, I, I need to take a step back because, I mean, clearly Ryan is so much cooler than me in certain aspects. But you have that humble approach. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I think it makes well, you you. Thanks. And, you know, I've seen you have a couple of cocky moments where I was like, yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> so, you know, it's, there's, the, there's the pros and the cons to all of it, I nice. guess. But, yeah, thanks. Um, I don't really know how to follow up on that. No. That's a great compliment. Uh, you know, it, somebody, uh, I met a guy, Andrew, at a Austin, in Austin, Texas last week. And he did, he did tell me, he gave me a cool compliment just like that. Right. I was like, oh, man. Ah, interesting. You know, it definitely your perception of yourself does change a little bit. And now I got this huge ego. Yeah. yeah. Now you'll leave here and you'll be acting like me and you'll just yeah. think you're better than everyone and you'll become a vegan. I'm the no. shit. Yeah. <laughs> become a vegan again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we, we won't get into that because it's already, I mean, you'll probably, fall, we're both yeah. going to fall asleep relatively soon. Yeah. But I do want to end this podcast right now because we've been going for a while. I do want to end it on a note where you let the people know what's something you want them to know about you. And then also, how do we find you? Gosh, yeah. Um, well, my Instagram page, Ryan M, M as in Michael, Ryan M Rodriguez. Yeah, check it out. I got a little baby YouTube channel. Mo's been kind of helping me a little bit here and there. I think it's called Ryan Rodriguez. It I is. Kind of a little play on words there. I got I to gotta get a better name. Uh, something I would like people to know about me. Gosh. Well, I, yeah, hmm. You got any ideas for me? Or what, what are some <laughs> words you want just, I mean, just speak to our audience. Obviously, please keep it yeah. not controversial. I, I, I definitely, <laughs> I hope that uh, I do come off as kind of a humble person. I, I, I want to be that approachable person. I, I want, I, having gone to bike events in the, like my early days of bike riding, I was so turned off to people who were just kind of like this wall right, in the industry. And I don't want to be that person. I want to, and I'm, so that people are coming up and saying hi at bike parks to me. I'm like, whoa, this is so nice. cool, right? Like, yo, let's go on a lap. So hopefully I can just keep doing this down to earth thing. And if that, if that's what I'm doing right. and I uh, just want to kind of keep progressing in every way I can. 
Awesome. Well, you guys, that was the end of this episode of another awesome, the awesome MTB podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Be sure to follow Ryan. And if you guys can take a moment to rate this podcast, whatever you're listening it to, Ryan, it was a pleasure talking to you for this hour. And so uh, we'll shut off the cameras and mics and we'll get into all of the fun topics <laughs> we want to get into. Uh, but with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, you guys, ride awesome. You!